Hey gang, and welcome back to another episode of Story Arc. I am your host, Chris Thompson, and I have two new stories for you this week. But before I introduce those, I want to take this moment to say a few things. First off, you all rock as an audience. The show has continued to grow, and every launch day is larger than the last. The interactions that I have had with you on Twitter continue to amaze me, as you are one of the most generous audiences I have ever worked with. And I can't thank you enough. If you like what you hear, share it, please. This is about people hearing and reading and being inspired as we all listen and hear and read these same stories together. I would also love to hear your insights on today's episodes, things that you liked, things that you didn't, because I am trying to get better as a podcaster and, uh, and better at these audio drama style stories. So please let me know what you thought of this episode. And now for our stories in today's episode. The first is about a druid who finds himself in the middle of a labyrinth made completely of hedges. Why is he there? Well, he is following one of his friends. And once he finds her, well, I don't necessarily want to ruin the story, so I'll let the story do the talking for me. The second is about a mysterious race of people that live in the shadows of the forests in Northern England. What kind of magical powers do they possess? I'm glad you asked. Our second story of the day will reveal all the answers that you are looking for about this mysterious race. Let's get on to this week's episode. The Druid, by Robert Beckett. Nobody is certain where Lyssa came from. She leaves no paper trails. She doesn't seem to have any living family, and she never leaves friends. If you were to perform a background check on her, it would look normal. It likely says that she has a happy family, that she's an astounding student or worker, and that she seems to be well-liked in her community. If you have the skills to dig deep, you might discover scattered bites of information, references to her past lives, her past families and friends, maybe even the last name she used if she was sloppy. A strong, well-crafted divination would reveal pieces of her pasts with small circles of magic that vanished from existence in a matter of months. Any sane man would wonder where she came from and what her intentions are when her identity is so soundly hidden from the rest of the world. I know I sure did. Lissa, come back! The large, dark-haired man shouted. The woman had lured him into a hedge maze but he suspected that was only to provide him with a false sense of security. If the woman had survived this long, had done the things he suspected she did, there was no chance that she wouldn't know his particular abilities. He sighed, exhaling slowly and closing his eyes, hearing the voices on the wind as the plants themselves bent to whisper of her actions to him. She was waiting at the center. He hesitated, almost turning to leave, but deciding that if he could not defeat this hack on his own grounds, then he was doomed to fall on hers. He strode forward, determined and defiant, the plants parting for his footsteps until he reached the end of the maze. Lisa saw the dwarf boxes part, a grin crawling onto her face. She was laying on her back, her head towards the man that currently pursued her, and her arms spread out to her sides, tilting her chin up to look up towards him. Did you like the maze, mister? 
I know how much you love plants. She saw him hesitate again, only grinning wider, stretching comfortably on the grass. Reaching this moment overjoyed her, the peak of her efforts, the climax of this story. The man was reluctant, but he too had fallen to the strings that bound all living beings, and in a moment he would be no more than a mere puppet, a toy for her to toss away as she became bored with him. Toys were never any fun after they stopped working. He had loved her like a daughter. He still did, but he needed to know what she was. He continued his strong strides towards her, her words like needles in his mind, laced with that all-too-familiar giggle. He snapped his fingers, the hedges moving like vines to snap around her limbs and hold her on the ground. She squirmed a little, but her grin did not waver in the slightest. Was she so confident he would not kill her? It would take only a moment like this, another snap, but he dared not imagine what the brambles would do to her if he did. He would only envision the movement of the branches, as though they were moving silently through the air, and close his eyes to the act. He felt suddenly dizzy, falling to his knees and slowly losing control of his body. What was this grief? This pressure pounding at his forehead, the sudden need to hold back tears that weren't there. He needed to kill this girl, and he knew it was so. But suddenly he lacked the energy to even snap his fingers, to finish the spell and rid the world of the nightmare that was still giggling before him. She shivered in anticipation as the man dropped to his knees. The man had seen through her lies, discovered pieces of what she had done to the others that had cared for her in the past, and that let her veins pulse with an energy that most humans couldn't even imagine. The arcane energy pulsed and she released another wave, watching the man's arms go limp in response. The fool probably didn't understand that he was under her spell yet. She giggled again, snapping her fingers, the rough plant life slowly uncoiling and returning to its place within the plants of the hedgerows. She could feel the deep connection with nature as she manipulated this new ability, solidifying her belief in what this man was. A druid. Oh, how she had always wanted a druid. But their tendency to avoid interaction with humans had protected them from her until now. She stepped towards him slowly, lifting his chin to look into his almost lifeless eyes. She sighed softly, moving down to one knee and pressing her forehead against his, feeling his body convulses all those who succumb to her do and slowly sapping him of his power, storing it in her reserve to replenish what she had expended to destroy what was left of his will. You were fun, Finnis, if short-lived. Her lips pressed against his softly, draining him of what little life he had left and letting his body fall limply to the side as she stood. She took a step over him and tried to remember the way out of the maze before shrugging, walking the same straight line that he did and parting the bushes as she took the easy way out. Once she ran out, she could always find another. The Druid was written by Robert Beckett. You can find more of Robert's story at thekingofredonions.tumblr.com. Narration for the story was done by Stephen Pacey. Stephen runs another podcast that you can go and listen to called Skyrim Book Club. There they take a book that you can find in-game in Skyrim and turn it into a reading so that you don't have to stop for a minute adventuring and you can just keep right on going. Check out his website skyrimbookclub.ca and you can also find him on Twitter at Skyrim Book Club. Finnis was played by Caleb Rudd. You can find more of the podcasts that Caleb has appeared in at blockpartypodcastnetwork.com. Lissa was played by Jesse Lynn. You can find more of her work at www.jolynn.com. Sound effects were used under Creative Commons license from freesound.org. And now, on to our second story.
Journal of a Witch by Marisha. I call myself Adela, after my mother and her mother before her. I come from a line of ancient nobility, originating from a people known as the Celts, from a race that has little changed for centuries, although much around it has. We are little known by the outside world, indeed that is why we thrive. There are many precious secrets we keep, knowledge we possess, possessed by no other. We are a race that has resisted the forces of change, of history. First we were faced with the threat of extinction by the arrival of the great Latin invaders from the east many centuries ago. Then the Saxon hordes that almost entirely subdued us, and now under the yoke of the Northmen, Normans, we still prevail. After the invasions, many members of our community decided to leave behind their old ways and lives and proceed to fresher places, perhaps hoping for power and renown. One cannot else but wonder why they betrayed their ancient culture. But a handful remained and decided to keep alive their old traditions and beliefs. They refused neither to intermingle with the foreigners nor to allow their blood to merge with that of the outsider. My family was one of these. Our numbers thinned down gradually over the centuries so that now we are a relatively unknown group of people whose existence remains known only to ourselves. I dare say there are not more than a hundred of us left. We do fear for our safety and sovereignty, but our self-sufficiency and our detachment from the world outside have served to keep us well hidden thus far. My home is the deep, dark woods of northern England, with her towering black trees and her hidden secrets concealed from the eyes of mortal men. I revel in her darkness and stillness and would live nowhere else. I have no companions, at least not during the day, save for my trusted black cat, Pentacle. During the night, well then I have the entire woods at my feet. I have never stepped beyond the boundaries of my home into the world of men and I haven't the will to do it, at any rate, for my own safety. So I have chosen to live and to practice my craft within the boundaries of these woods that few dare penetrate. I find everything I need for my craft in the woods. I also possess the power to summon my nocturnal friends to do my bidding whenever I wish. During the day I find repose after my night's work in an old abandoned castle on the edge of the woods. It is lost to history, to time, just like we are. It is centuries old, dating back before the conquest, I believe, and is now the home of ravens, mice, and owls. It is a palace to me in its solitary beauty, the conical turrets, Steep battlements and dark, empty windows are like an apple to my untrained eye. The dark, stony walls, imprinted with murky shadows and the pervading aura of desolation and solitude, impress themselves upon me like nothing I have ever known. I exit the old castle at dusk, where, throwing on my black cloak, I start a fire and begin my work. The smoke cascades around, and gradually, as the fire grows stronger, envelops the whole wood with its soothing presence. My god is nature. I worship nothing and no one else. It is my job to preserve her and to restore her unchanging powers of life and death over all living things. There are times when I use my powers for other purposes, on occasion when I'm angered. 
I possess a terrible temper once I'm aroused. At times mortals stray into my woods and try to steal bits of her and destroy her. At these times I curse them so they may eventually die a horrible death, or else I kill them without much ado. The latter I use for young men as I receive personal satisfaction in killing them myself. That is before I have some fun with them at the expense of their own stupidity. I appear to them as a pure, beautiful maiden, and once they fall under my spell, little do they know they are doomed. Beauty is but skin deep, they say. I beckon them to follow me deeper and deeper into my woods in a most archetypal manner until they completely lose their bearings and have no likelihood of going back. How fickle and foolish humans are! How truly blind and easily tempted! I sometimes offer the wretches a poisonous drink, or if they are particularly attractive, I give them a fatal kiss while murmuring a spell under my breath. Once dead, I use various parts of their bodies for my bruise. It is normal to me, and I can hardly say I pity them. For men come and go, but the glory of nature once tainted is lost forever. Her spirit is much older and more sacred to this earth than any mortal could be, and ten times as precious, with good reason. There is also a good side to me. When little children get lost in my woods, I transform myself into a white fawn and show them the way out. As for those who try to disturb her peace, I don't spare a thought for them. Let me tell you a little about my magical objects. I possess a magical talisman passed down to me from generations of which I am extremely proud. I have never taken it off my neck, as it is the basis of my powers, as well as a form of protection. It hangs off a black cord and is circular in shape, being made of polished obsidian. In the middle is an interlocked silver pentacle, which wields amazing forces if touched. My only other valuable possession is a piece of jewelry made of glittering black stones, also passed down to me. I wear it around my head during special ceremonies when its powers are required. At the end of a fortnight, I attend a special gathering of my kind where we do many things and discuss many things, which I cannot unfold under oath. Although it is the only instance where I have a chance to mingle with others, I prefer being alone in my forest retreat by far. I am, however, the youngest in my community, and I fear I will receive its headship soon before I am ready. But I will not let my mother down, nor my family, never. I'd sooner turn Pentacle into a toad. Journal of a Witch was written by Marisha. You can find more of Marisha's work at www.writerscafe.org slash Phaedra254. The link for that will be in the show notes. You can also email her at PhaedraGorgon at gmail.com. Adela was played by Jessie Lynn. You can find more of her work at jolin.com. Sound effects were used under Creative Commons license from freesound.org. And the background ambience that you heard was courtesy of tabletopaudio.com. So there you have it. 
another two episodes in the bag. I want to thank all of you for listening to this week's episode. Please feel free to send us an email at storyarcpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear what you thought about this week's stories. And if you would like to submit a story of your own for consideration in a future episode, or if you would like to help with voice acting, please visit blockpartypodcastnetwork.com and scroll over to the Story Arc podcast section. Story Arc is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, along with many other shows. One of the newest shows that has just joined us is We're So Bad at Adventuring. I would love it if you would go and check them out and say, hey, or just give them a little bit of love on Twitter or whatever, whatever you feel is appropriate. And until next time, listeners, continue to be inspired by the world around you. We'll see you again real soon.